In Ephesians, we've been working our way through, for those who are visiting, looking through Ephesians, under the heading of the bigger picture. And uh, the book of Ephesians is a, a book near the back of the Bible. It's written by a chap called Paul, sometimes known as the Apostle Paul. And he starts the chapter, the, the book, by telling us these wonderful things about God, where we are placed with God, that we're placed with God in heavenly places because of what Jesus has done and because of the price that Jesus has paid And he goes through this amazing, just this amazing information that he's passing on about the heavenly places, about what Jesus has done for us, and so on and so forth. And it is such a blessing. It's wonderful. He then goes on to talk about the structure of the church and how Jesus' kingdom is just going to extend and extend. It's absolutely wonderful. But then there's a bit of a problem because uh, we can be very spiritual but we've also got to be practical because we live in a real world, don't we? So yes, one day we will be with him, but at the moment we're here and we have a job to do. So today I'm going to be talking about the workplace. I've entitled it Opportunity Knocks because as I've been preparing, I've just realised what an opportunity and what a, what a walk of faith it can be either having work or seeking work or having retired from work. So let's... Uh, Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you for Jesus. We want to thank you that again we've been reminded of the wonderful price that Jesus has paid. That he lived the perfect life, died the death, took the wrath of God on his shoulders and yet was risen risen from the dead and now ascended and living at your right hand. And thank you that you've poured out your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we just ask again, help me as I speak, Lord, just as a weak vessel, Lord, Lord Jesus, let your spirit speak to our hearts, we pray, that we might be different and that you would build your church, Jesus. Amen. So, Ephesians 6, as I said, not 5. Just a few verses. Makes a change from Matthew, and I had 78 verses, I think, to do. So, uh, I think John and Steve have been kind to me. Uh, So, Ephesians 6, verse 5. Slaves, or servants, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them, not only to win favour when their eyes on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for every good he does, whether slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favouritism with him. If you're on the internet, just look up Ashford Church from two weeks ago. A chap preached on the partiality of God. Absolutely fantastic. That would help unpack them. Isn't the word of God good? They just refresh you even reading those few words. But let's first start by nailing a misconception that work is a result of the fall. (coughs) Well, because we got it wrong in the garden, we now have to work and labour and sweat. But let's see what the Bible actually says, because it's all very nice when Julian has his opinions, but it's much better when we see what the actual word of God says. So if we look at Genesis chapter (coughs) 3... which as well as containing some of the saddest verses in the Bible, 
also starts God's solution being opened up to us. And in verse 17, Adam has sinned, and God said to him, because you listened to your wife, you ate the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat. So man sinned. Therefore, cursed is the ground because of you. Pain, through painful toil, you will eat of it, and all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since that is where you were taken from, and dust you are, and to dust you will return. So we immediately have this, this, this misconception that work is, is part of the curse. You know, it's because we were naughty, God now makes us work and makes us sweat. But that's not true, because if you look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, we see that God has created this beautiful garden. And it said, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden to work and to care for it. Care for it. You see, from the very beginning, man was to be thrilled and completely fulfilled by the presence of God, to share in that creative nature of God by tending and working within God's creation. Now, if you're a Christian today, that's very good. If you're not, see Steve afterwards. If you're a Christian, you know, when you die, you know, we go and we sit on a, we get on a cloud, don't we? And we pluck. Is that right? We sit in a cloud and we just pluck. Well, I've got a bit of bad news for you. (laughs) When we die, we go into the presence of God, heaven, whatever you want to call it. And we will be completely encapsulated by the presence of Jesus to see him face to face, not his back like Moses did. We see Jesus face to face. But we will have work to do. It's a big subject for another day, but we will be able to work, we will be able to be creative, and it won't entail all the hassle and all the griefs and all the wearing down that we suffer now when we're working. We will be fruitful, we will be busy, and we will be fulfilled. And you might have time in the evening to learn to play the harp as well. It'd be great to have a harpist here, wouldn't it? Great fun moving it, though. (laughs) Whatever your age, God wants you to work and he wants you to be fruitful. But the starting point with any subject has always got to be God himself. Whatever work you do, whether you're retired, the starting point is always God. Psalm 24 tells us that the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. So no matter what we experience in this world, remember this one thing. God is still on his throne. I think it was a song we sang together on the mission a few years ago. You know, God is still on his throne. I thought, oh, this is a bit of a defeatist song, you know. Dear, dear, dear. But I tell you what, it's true. When you can say, despite all that's going on, God is still on his throne. Steve's reminded us, many of the scriptures shared from the, from the congregation today have reminded us that God is to be praised. What is man that you're mindful of him? God is so wonderful. But let's get practical. Let's look at three issues in the workplace or lack of workplace. Because Jesus is the same as we saw last week, yesterday, today and forever. I want to look at three three areas very briefly. One is the opportunity while we're working. The second is the challenges we find in the workplace. And the third, the whole issue of not working.
And again, you'll have to be kind to me because there's only so much you can cover in a few minutes. But firstly, the opportunity of work. You know, as a worker, we have an opportunity to reflect God's nature. We have an opportunity to serve. We're even called in the church to come and to serve. And when we work, remember, we're there to serve. We, Jesus is building his kingdom, isn't there? Jesus is building his kingdom, and he needs people to work in that. So whether we're at work or at home, we are all working to build the kingdom. In the workplace, we can reflect God's nature. Integrity, honesty, hard-working, being creative. You see, I followed Kevin around for a day, so I know. <laughs> but also, when things go wrong, anyone had anything go wrong at work this week? I've had an easy time. No, no, it's just, I find it a breeze. <laughs> but when things go wrong, that is the opportunity to reflect God's grace, God's patience, to let him build into you, which I'll talk to a bit later, about later on. It's an opportunity to show consideration to people when naturally you want to react another way. And if you're a manager, even if you're responsible for anybody in any other way, just remember this, you have a higher manager. His name's God, and he's big, and he's very nice, but also he's very just. If you have a difficult manager, just remember this, God, put that person in that place of authority. That's God's best for us. Also, when we work, it produces an income. Do I get a... Let's feel like City Church with Tom. Do I get a woo? Woo. You get an income. And what do you do with your income? You give. You give. (laughs) I won't say your name, Sarah, on the tape, because then everyone will know it was you. (laughs) Don't sell him, Pike. (laughs) It produces an income. And we can have church meetings praying that God will pour thousands of pounds into the kingdom. Brothers and sisters, if we're earning, we have an opportunity to give. The percentage and so forth is, is one for debate and one for the leaders to guide us on and so forth. But it's about heart. If we're earning, then we can give. If more of us are working, more of us can sow into the kingdom. Hallelujah. What a wonderful opportunity. And I believe that money should come to where you're fed, the church that you're a part of. So what about the challenges around the workplace? Well, the earth is the Lord's, as we know, but sadly it's been tainted by sin, by people like me, and uh, this really doesn't this affect the area of our work. Don't we come across sin an awful lot in our work and the knock-on effect of sin? You know, as Christians, we, we're daily faced with battles, rules, regulations, systems, and so forth in the workplace that can seem blatantly godless. Again, remember where we stand. We stand in Christ. We stand in Jesus. That's where we stand. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. It doesn't mean we should have a sense of superiority. Oh, this world is so terrible, you know, but, you know, I'm going to breeze through it to get to heaven. Or, as I have seen in years past, a heroic kind of, well, I'm going to just carry this burden as a Christian this work, this terrible workplace, and one day I'll be with him. It's an opportunity to cooperate with God. He knows where he's put us. It's an opportunity to cooperate with God's grace, to seek his wisdom, to be filled with the Spirit, even in the workplace. 
yes, I'd love to meet here three days a week and we have five hours of worship. I'd love that. But the reality is we can be filled with the Spirit in the workplace. Because that's where we need the wisdom. (laughs) We need the wisdom out there. God gives us his spirit to help us navigate through the most impossible situations at work. Anyone faced any impossible situations at work in the last year or two? Absolutely. You know, if I go that way, this happens. If I go that way, that happens. If I stay here, that happens. But God makes a way where there is no other way. He is God. The earth is the Lord's. He is on the throne. In the midst of it all going on, just remember, he is on the throne. And he loves you. But it gives us constant opportunities to step out in faith. Look at the policies and rules that there are in certain businesses. Some maybe you could argue are even anti-biblical. But we're not called to judge. We're not called to get on our high horses. But to ask God to give us wisdom to work our way through these seemingly difficult situations. We're called to be salt and light. Okay. So, at 8 o'clock last night, when I settled down to watch the football, did I turn the light on? No, because it was light. If I sit down to do something else, 8 o'clock in a December night, what do I do? I put the light on. Why? Because it's dark. So we have to be salt and light because we're going into a dark place. What's the point of being light if we're going to a room where there's already light? I think that's sometimes why God allows us to go into situations that are so difficult, so that we can be salt and light. I'd much rather Steve went in and did it for me, but he says, no, he's going there, you go there, then we have two lots of light. We're called to be salt and we're called to be light. I can give you lots of examples from work and situations over the years that have been difficult, but this is the key point. God is on his throne. He calls us to work, he calls us to serve, He equips us with his Holy Spirit. God's very practical. You know how going to the coffee break, have a good old moan with your colleagues about this and a good old moan about that. And um, I just put my hand up at this stage and say, I'm not through on this, okay? Still fall into it. Still fall into it. But also, let's talk to God about it. (laughs) Let's talk to God about it. He can make a way where there is no other way. Other issues in the workplace. What about that unhealthy relationship with a member of the opposite sex that comes into your business or who you meet in the room or try and organise so you always meet with them at the same time? That could be unhealthy. We can get over-familiar with people that we shouldn't get over-familiar with. What about, uh, what about nicking a bit of Tipex? Have you ever checked your pen drawer at home? Seen how, how many have, you know? So-and-so business written on them. <laughs> Adjusting the books, fiddling your figures, so and so forth, fueling gossip. Fueling gossip. Again, it's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's the whole thing we're trying to continually reiterate as we go through Ephesians. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's about the grace of God. But we still have to practically work it out with the help of the spirit of the living, not dead God. What about not giving our time because we're a bit lazy? You know, I stayed up and watched the football highlights till one in the morning. I got into work a bit kind of not quite there or people 
fiddle on their computers till three in the morning, get to work, oh, I'm so tired, I'm so stressed, well, go to bed early. Very practical. <laughs> you know, because we're, we're basically stealing time from our employer who are paying us. Again, it's about grace and it's about God, but we are ultimately working for God. It's not about law, but there are practical steps which I believe we have to take responsibility for. Now, the Bible is packed with stories about men and women who were working, and none of them seemed to have a very easy time, but God used it. There's two people specifically to briefly look at. One is Daniel, and one is Joseph. Both were, were, were fantastic men of God. Daniel was such a, a man of complete integrity. He, again, he was taken away to a foreign land. He had to learn a foreign language. He had to learn foreign customs and cultures, but he learned to serve. He didn't sit you know, with his cup of coffee every morning moaning and groaning about it. He just continued to trust God. Absolutely amazing. And through integrity and through faith, Daniel was greatly honoured. And his enemies were unable to catch him out in any area of honesty and integrity. I thought to myself, if my enemies, if they looked, could they say, yeah, Julian is completely honest about that, completely integrity area in that. It's a challenge for me. It wasn't easy for Daniel. He had an appalling time and he had some very severe adversaries and very bad working conditions. But through faithfulness, he managed to save others. What did that remind you of anybody? Through their faithfulness, he saved others. Reminds us of Jesus. He served, he gave, he trusted God. And through him, others were saved. It's a wonderful verse in Daniel 2.14. This isn't in the notes because this is all extra. <laughs> but it said, the king spoke to Daniel. It said, Daniel spoke with discretion and discernment in a time of immense pressure. He was facing death. And he spoke with discretion and discernment. That's amazing. This is the true outworking of the Spirit of God in the real world. Joseph 2. Oh, I've had so much fun in Joseph for the last two or three weeks. He was taken into slavery. God had called him and then he's taken into slavery. He's falsely accused, falsely charged and sentenced for a crime that he never committed. And yet he trusted God and he kept working. Let's briefly look at that in Genesis 39. The background is that uh, Joseph's brothers have sold him. He's been sold into Egypt, into slavery. He's worked uh, for this army officer. He's been extremely successful, done a great job. The army officer's wife fancies him and then accuses him of attacking her. It's not true. The master comes home. He's furious. And Joseph, who'd been so successful, despite all the problems, is thrown into prison again. And then we get to verse, uh, chapter 39 and we get to verse 20. So Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him and showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warder. So the warder put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. And the warder paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. 
Despite the restrictions, Joseph blossomed in his gifting and Joseph continued to serve. He didn't grumble and moan about his circumstances. Well, you know, I had this vision from God and I had this coat and then I was sold into slavery and I've had such a rotten time. He didn't do it. He kept, he just allowed God to hone his character. And that was done in such a way that eventually he became prime minister. God used him to save others. There's a verse, um, Psalm 105, verse 18, depending on your version. It says that Joseph was taken to Egypt in, in shackles and irons. Another version, which I like, says, while he was in prison, iron entered his soul. A strength came into him. Despite the circumstances, iron came into his soul. A resolve. I'm going to work. I'm going to continue to trust God despite these appalling circumstances. No matter how unreasonable his circumstances and his work, he remained faithful. Absolutely fantastic. Very windy yesterday. I don't know about the trees in your garden. The trees in my garden were were bending quite severely. Did you know that when trees bend and get blown in the wind, it actually strengthens the, actually strengthens the trunk? In the old days, because Julie and I did gardening, in the old days when you had a tree, you used to have your tree like that, not like that, but like that, and you used to put the stake at the same height right to the ground to help the tree grow. But it was worked out about 20 years ago that actually you're better off putting the stake just at the bottom just to hold the roots firm and secure, and the top can bend as much as it likes, and that strengthens the tree. The stake. It just reminds us that if our roots are secure in Jesus, no matter how much blowing goes on, the top looks all ragged and ruined, but God is strengthening us. When you're in difficult work situations, God is strengthening us. Other challenges at work. Well, we've all seen The Apprentice, haven't we? we've all seen it and we've all had our thoughts about it but work, too much work you can become an idol oh I love the money, I love the success blow my family I haven't got time for church I'm going to go for business You know that's not good either Jesus is Lord not, not success in business yes God wants to bless us and be successful but it must not become an idol it's always Jesus first. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? Maybe God's going to raise up people or draw people into this church who are successful business people. Maybe people will come in who have got a gift for business. Let's pray for them. Let's bless them. Let's release them to do what God has called them to do. Let's get behind them. They could re- you know, release resources to us. Who knows? So, but it's about heart. If God has called you to successfully run business, to employ people, to bring a blessing to the area, resources for the kingdom, then go for it with everything that you've got. But if work becomes a God, because you love the success, you love the gizmos, you love the money, you love being away from home and responsibility, that's not quite so good. Money, success, position in the world, one day will go forever. It'll all go. Now, what about the whole thorny issue of not working? Well, you know, the preacher merrily grabs for 2 Corinthians, doesn't he? 2 Corinthians 3.10. 
It says, if a man will not work, let him not eat. <clears throat> so there. Well, what I suggest is go back and look at the context from verses 6 to 17. It's a great verse, it's true, and it's in the book, but we must look at the context. You see, we're looking at the bigger picture, not picking out one verse to bash someone over the head who hasn't got work, because it's tough when you haven't got work. The bigger picture is... Well, here's, here's a question. Does God look at the outside of me or the inside of me? Inside, okay. So I'm here in my nice cleanest shirt and cleanest shirt. I think, oh, June, he looks pretty put together. But God sees the inside, which has got a little bit that's put together. <laughs> but God sees the inside, and it's the same if you're out of work. It's about heart, because God is looking at the inside. So let's not bash brothers and sisters over the head that haven't got work, because it's very tough out there. I personally feel I've had quite a hard time in the workplace over 35 years. Um, haven't necessarily enjoyed some of my previous jobs, but I've done okay, but I've always been grateful that God has provided me with work. Being provided with work is a blessing. It is a blessing. I believe that work is a gift, a gift that God gives to us. And remember, God knows best. He does, I tell myself this, God knows best. Because we believe the scriptures, don't we? The, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Let's go, we should do all the sermon like this. You're always, you're always ending my sentence. Impressive. I'm going to give Julian 100 pounds. <laughs> but the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Not just at Christian conferences, but in work. Six in the morning when you get up. When you let the cat out. When you forget to take the bin out. That God is with us all the time. It's a real world. But God provides us with work. Let's be careful not to be ungrateful. And if you're not working, receiving an income from elsewhere, be grateful. It's good to be a thankful and grateful people. Work is good. It occupies us. And boy, does it give an opportunity for us to work out our faith <laughs> with fear and trembling. <laughs> Provides an income. It puts bread on our table. Thank you, God, for work. Thank you. So not working is not about economics, okay? It's about heart. If you're able to work, even if you're restricted by disability, I believe this is your great opportunity to have a faith project. You say, oh Lord, I want to reach out. I want more of you. I want to step out. Well, here's an opportunity for a faith project. I was made redundant in 1992 with no payoff. And I uh, was out of work for a day short of a year. That's another story. Wonderful how God provides. Two small children, not so small now. <laughs> Little money. I did a variety of you know, voluntary jobs and worked in the church and stuff like that. But God remained faithful. God is faithful. I mean, let's get into the nitty gritty. The issue of going back to work for some is difficult. What do I do about benefits and so forth. Well, I had to face that one too when I went back to work. You know, this isn't a place where arduous detail, but God is faithful. It says in the Bible, it says that he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. There's an enemy out there that's trying to rob us, rob you of dignity, rob you of opportunity to work, rob you of health, rob you of financial security. There are enemies, and God prepares a table. 
In the midst of that, elsewhere in the word, it says, he prepares a table in the wilderness. This is our God. Genesis 26 talks about Jacob. He was the father of Joseph, who we read about earlier. It says in in Genesis 26, the beginning, it says, Jacob, uh, there was famine in the land, and Jacob sowed. And later on, about verse 12, I think it says, and he reaped a hundredfold in the same year. We can sow in the time of famine. With economics or downturn, that does not affect God's economy. It doesn't affect God's economy. I know that's easy to say. By the grace of God, I believe June and I have proved that over 30 very difficult years, paying 17% on our mortgage back in the mid-80s. <laughs> very difficult. You can sow in a time of famine. If you're seeking work, speak to John, speak to David. Speak to Steve. Get these guys behind you, praying with you. Share within your cell group. Let's get behind you. Let's make this a faith project. Along with we want to see 10, 20, 30 families added to the church, we want to see our friend have work, have dignity. So current welfare system does have its weaknesses and so forth, we know. But when we follow Jesus, we have a different perspective. God can provide us with work. I've proved it. And it's only his grace, not me, I can assure you. The more I prepare towards today, and I've had about seven weeks to think about it, I keep getting this thing that getting back to work is just a wonderful faith opportunity. It's a wonderful opportunity to step out in faith because God provides even a thought, you know, if, 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 you can, if you can operate your mobile phone and you can set your ski, Sky TV box, let me tell you, you can probably work. Because a lot of it is just pushing buttons and stuff. The fun comes when you have to deal with the people. God will strengthen you. Following illness or following difficulties, you're thinking of returning to work, it looks like a massive mountain. Oh yeah, it's a massive mountain, but God moves mountains our God moves the mountains get aside with God just ask him Lord what do you want me to do should I talk to John about it should I get brothers and sisters to pray with me I know it's a cheesy thing but you can't have a testimony without a test (laughs) wouldn't it be great to hear testimonies at the front God healed my arm God healed my leg God healed my sister God provided me with a job in God's economy. We are in God's economy. Sometimes, like Elisha, Elisha he said to his servant, they were surrounded by all of these enemies and so forth one day at Samaria. And the servant of Elisha was getting in a real panic and he said, Look, all these enemies. And God said, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. And God opened his eyes and he saw the armies of the Lord around. And they won the battle. Sometimes, dear friends, We have to put the the newspaper down, turn the television off, and get hold of the truth of God's word, which works today. It works today. The people in this room today have proved that it works today. Not easy, but it works today. There's lots of issues around uh, so-called retirement. If you're in the kingdom, I've got some news for you. You don't retire. <laughs> but you get busier, don't you, Joe? <laughs> oh, boy, you get busier. But not just b- busier with practical things. Also, 
If you are retired, ask God, what can I do for your kingdom? Not just when I'm going to serve teas and I'm going to run the bus for the old folks and so forth. How can you serve the kingdom? That little bit of extra time that you've got. I'm just aware of time, so... Just to put, just to put it all together... There's a story in the Bible, Moses was taking the children, leading the children of Israel and snakes came into the camp and they attacked people and were biting them for a lot of very good reasons. And the people were dying around Moses and Moses went to the Lord and he said, Lord, what shall I do? And God said to him, get a pole and make a bronze serpent and put it on that pole and anyone that comes out of their tent and looks at that pole will be healed. It's a wonderful picture of Jesus when the cross and Jesus is lifted up, then he draws all men to himself. And all I just kept thinking to myself was, for some of us in the workplace or seeking to get into the workplace or having a hard time in the workplace, whatever, we've got to get up out of our tent and move to the door and just look again. Look again at that serpent. Look again at the cross. Get up. Don't sit there in the coffee room or whatever Get up again and move and look at the cross. Look at what Jesus has done because it is about the bigger picture. You want to move in power and prophecy? I tell you what, it's great being prophetic at work. Times at work, you say to people, oh, how did you know that, dear? You know, you weren't trying to be spiritual. We could be men and women of God in the workplace. Let's arise and let's move. Shall we pray? Father, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for Jesus. We want to thank you that he was raised up on that cross. And Lord Jesus, again this morning, we just look again at him, Lord. The circumstances, the burdens that maybe some are feeling at work, Lord, I pray today, give them the, just the grace to take that burden and to lay it at your cross, Lord. And Father, I pray that there will be a release and equipping for my brothers and sisters, Lord, in the workplace to be a blessing. In Jesus' name. Amen. I've put some, uh, I've put some questions for cell. If you're not part of a cell, come see Steve, because it's an excellent thing to be part of. And uh, you can chat through some of those questions at cell group this week. Thanks very much.